Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. Welcome back to the 19th Tee, Kieran Marsh and Nathan Drudy with you as always. Drewster, good to have your company. Always, mate. Always a pleasure. Never a chore. And one of our favourite tournaments on the schedule has come to an end for another year. The Waste Management Phoenix Open, which is where we'll start for the week. Webb Simpson, a playoff winner over Tony Finau. His sixth PGA Tour victory, Drudes. Quite incredible. But can we crack a beer first, please? Uh, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, yes, no, I'm, I'm just so eager to talk about Webb's victory <laughs> that I've... I know, and right. I even, I even I handed the bloody beer selection back to you for a week. This is true. I've skipped right over, um, I've skipped right <laughs> over the beer, but we should crack something open to toast Webb's victory. So what are we drinking this week, Drewster? We are going with the Black Hops Session Ale. These blokes are in great form. They had three in the Gabs 100, including two in the top 30. This Black Hops Session Ale uh, is a mid-strength, no surprise there. It is a take on the classic Hopford Pale Ale, bold and refreshing, punchy character from the US Hops, and balanced with a distinct malt base. As we crack it open, KM, 3.5%. Uh, plenty, four, five different grains in there, four different hops, including a hop called Dr. Rudy, which is quite interesting. I'm going to do some reading on that afterwards, but. Quite a nice uh, three and a half percent pale ale from all reports. KM, KM loves a loves a mid strength, loves a mid strength marathon, not a sprinter. It's as always That's exactly right. That is quite, that is quite nice. I like that. It is. And uh, now you can very, talk about the Phoenix Open, mate. Very appropriate beer um, to toast Webb Simpson and his victory at the Phoenix Waste Management Open. Of course, um, very apt to be having a beer because there were plenty had there at uh, the Waste Weren't Management there. Open across the weekend. But as I said, Drates. A playoff victory for Webb Simpson. He's sixth on the PGA Tour. Tony Finau, once again, uh, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Yeah, correct. I was actually going to ask you this, and there's a, uh, no better time. How many wins has Tony Finau had on the PGA Tour off the top of your head? I believe it is one. Yeah. It's quite incredible, really. He's ultra, ultra consistent. And um, I'm, look, I must admit, I'm a little bit disappointed that he didn't win today. I mean, look, I do like... You know, Webb Simpson, when he's not defending Patrick Reed with, with stupid comments. But, oh, look, um, you know, Tony Finau. Geez, you feel sorry for him, don't you? He's, uh, I mean, you mentioned his consistency. Uh, I think north of 130, or it might even be creeping up to 150 PGA Tour starts so far in his career. Yeah. He's finished top 10 in almost 25% of those starts. Yeah, I, I mean, did see that stat. He is absolutely on song when it comes to consistency, but I suppose equally and on the flip side, the, the knock on him is, is that he doesn't get the job done. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I he mean, won the, what was it? The 2016 Puerto Rico open. He's had the fifth most top 10 finishes in the last four seasons of anyone on the PGA tour. Zero which, wins, which is incredible for zero wins. So, so struggles immensely, it seems to, to convert. I mean, was out, out in front, uh, seemingly uh, unattainable. Uh, mm. You know, with with only a few holes to play, in complete command on the back nine, and I suppose if you were to ask anybody in that sort of position if they'd go par par to finish on seventeen eighteen with a two shot lead, 
they'd be pretty happy. But it's it's not good enough when you've got someone in the in in the form of Webb Simpson who goes birdie seventeen, birdie eighteen, and then birdie playoff hole to to win after after one. It just seems as though Tony. I don't know what it is, Drudes. I think Brandel Shambly said it best um, when he said that the only thing stopping Tony Finau, the only thing holding Tony Finau back now is Tony Finau. Yeah, he agreed. clearly has the game. I mean, some of his some of his striking today, some of his 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 shot making was, and across the weekend for that matter, was sublime. Yeah, you know, he is all class. Quite clearly, he's one of the very very best players in the world. But there seems to be it must be a mental block really now to, to jump that final hurdle and become a consistent winner on the PJ tour. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. Cause like, I really like the guy. I think, you know, he's, um, you know, he's, he's an interesting, he's an interesting fella. Um, he, he's one and one in playoffs, uh, one win, one loss in, in playoffs on the PJ tour now one and two and um, Webb Simpson going into this playoff was one and five. So I thought that Finau was just going to, a moral. Just, yeah, I, th- I thought it was just going to be a, a matter of, you know, just whack it in for pub and, 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 and Webb will bogey and that'll be the end of it. But um wasn't to be. I mean, look, we've, we've spoken mostly about Tony Finau here. I mean, we should give credit where credit's due to Webb Simpson because I thought it was, I actually thought the, the tournament was done on 15 when he put it in the water and um, then he nearly hit the pin at 16 and then went on that little run, as you said, and you know, he, he, he got hot right at the, uh, at, the, at the clock tower of the Flemington Strait, didn't he? He most certainly did, Drew. And, and you would suggest if you were looking back at his past performances that it's been coming. I mean, mm. he's been trending in the right direction as well. Obviously, last one back at the players in 2018. But if you are to look at his last few starts, hasn't he, hasn't he been trending in the right direction? Oh, he has. I mean, he had four runner-up finishes last year. Um, you know, he's... You know, and he plays well at this course too. Like we should mention that he lost the playoff in 2017 at Hideki Matsuyama, and he's finished inside the top ten three other times. So he's he loves the Phoenix Open, and you know he has been in very good form. Of course, he was down here for the Presidents Cup and and played quite admirably there. But um, yeah, he's he's certainly started 2020 in in good fashion. Oh, hasn't he ever? I mean, just just to just to speak about his starts this season: seventh, second, third, and first. Yeah, oh, that's that's quite remarkable. Seventh, second, third, and first this season. His uh, top threes since June of last year. Six. That's the leader since that time. So he leads Justin Thomas with five top three finishes since June of last year, and R- Rory McIlroy also with five. Hmm. No better player in the world than Webb Simpson in terms of top three finishes since June of last year. So he is. Yeah. I mean, we speak about Tony Finau as Mister Consistent, but I think. I think the most impressive stat that I heard, Dredge, was actually from Dottie Pepper on the CBS coverage as they were coming down the stretch that across the 12 years of his professional career to date, he sits in the top three for final round scoring average. Hmm. So he is a closer. And that may well be the biggest compliment you you can pay Webb because there's plenty of knocks on his game. People seemingly like to have a bit of a laugh at his technique. Um, they criticize him that he's not as long as many people, but when the whips are cracking and when it counts, just to run that by you again, top three in final round scoring average across the past 12 years on the PGA Tour. Yeah. He is a closer. And it doesn't matter what, what his game is, how far he can or can't hit the ball, what his swing looks like. All that matters is in crunch moments, he's there. 
And you know, you only have to look at his not only today's victory, but also his his performances throughout this season and those top three finishes that I mentioned to know that Webb Simpson is a serious player now up to seventh in the world rankings following today's victory. Yeah, first time in the in, in the uh, top ten since 2012, and. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting point because I've read somewhere today that he's actually added a bit of length onto his shots. I don't think it's a great deal, maybe eight or so yards, but that can make a a big difference. Um, you know, particularly you know on a course like um, you know this one where we were in Phoenix, plays uh, into the hands of those who can hit the ball long, as to most PGA tournament uh, PGA Tour tournament venues. But um, he is very, very consistent. He hits the ball very cleanly, um, you know. And hats off to him. He stood up in the, in that um, in that playoff, and that wasn't an easy part that he had to drain. Uh, you know, sort of broke left late and and um, straight in the back of the cup. But as soon as he struck it, you know, it was never going to miss. So, but look, good on him. Six six tour on the uh, on, on the uh, sorry six victory on the PGA tour. Interesting question. I've got another one for you. I'm full of questions today. This is uh, who wants to be a millionaire. Where does Webb Simpson, very quickly, don't want you to think about this, where does Webb Simpson sit on the all-time money earnings list? Oh. Oh, I'm going to give you a bracket because I I don't want to make a fool of myself. Give me a bracket. And narrow it down. I'd say top 15. Mm. Just out. 23. 23. But $36.7 million isn't too bad. Uh, you know, the, the, he's, in, he's in front of Justin Thomas. Uh, he's just behind Ricky Fowler. I mean, look, uh, I mean, Webb's earned $36.7 mil and, and Jordan Spieth's earned 40 and a half. Now, obviously, there's a lot of age difference between the two. But, you know, he's, um, he's certainly an underestimated golfer in a, in a lot of ways, is Webb. Oh, absolutely. I think, I mean, with the greatest respect to Webb, I don't know that he carries the aura of some of the players that no, we of course not. rate highly. Uh, obviously, not in the same um, paddock as, as, as a Tiger Woods, but, but even like players like McElroy, uh, Kepka, Spieth in his prime, Justin Thomas now. These are the types of players that have an aura about them when they walk onto the course. Webb is a bit more, um, I, I suppose he just goes about his business in, in a different fashion. He's a bit quieter. He's a bit more unassuming, but geez, he gets it done. And oh, I mean, he does. You talk about 23rd all-time money list. You talk about, as I said, to, to repeat it again, top three in closing round averages across the past 12 years on the PGA Tour. This is a guy who just, he may not get the headline streets, but geez, he knows how to finish. And he can he play you know, he can play with the best of them in, in the final round in the closing parts of the tournament. So certainly someone that needs to be respected, irrespective of what you think about his game. Yeah, correct. And, you know... He's he's represented his country, you know, at the at the President's Cup, and like I said, he came down and played at, at, at Royal Melbourne, which is arguably one of the toughest courses in the world, and he's and he's played, you know, very very well down here. So, but it was um, hole sixteen again, just sidetracking off to the course here. Hole sixteen, uh, always such an incredible um, event. Uh, that video that the PGA Tour put out of people running in gave me anxiety. Unbelievable. I, like, I, that I, is an OHS. Like, there is no OHS at the PGA Tour, is there? There can't I'll be. I'll tell you right now, Dreads, I, uh, I've run with the Bulls in Pamplona in Spain. Uh, watch, <laughs> watching that video uh, gave me more night tremors than that experience did. I, I'll tell you right now. That was insane. Yeah. Insane. Go and check it out if you haven't checked it out. I mean, just, look, as good as 16 was, can I just say this very quickly? 16 was, was very, very cool to watch. And it is purely the atmosphere that gets it done. I love hole 17 just as much. 
hundred percent watching people try and, and drive it. And you look there and they have that nice shot down the, uh, you know, looking straight down the fairway and you go, look, look, pretty relatively simple for a lot of these guys. Just hit it, hit it generally straight. There was that many balls going in the water and getting, and you know, it was a real risk reward hole. If you, if you, you know, managed to find the dance floor, you were rewarded with a chance for Eagle. If you missed, you were, you were struggling to get up and down. hundred percent. 17 for me is the new 16. Yeah. And I, I'm with you. I, I love 16. Uh, obviously, it, it brings new meaning to golf each and every year. I think it opens it up to uh, a, a younger audience and a different demographic, which, which we is the great. are unashamedly all yeah. about. And it also obviously holds very special memories, particularly for Australians. Jared Lyle having aced it um, yeah. in previous years. And, and if for nothing else, I love this tournament each and every year because they always put up the video of Jared Lyle acing the 16th. And, yeah. and it's a wonderful trip down memory lane. But when you talk about entertainment, I'll take a drivable par four with water, green side, and, and the slope towards the water. So it tests every part of your game over a 150, 160-yard par three every day of the week. It's yeah. so much more entertaining. And to see shots, I don't know if you saw it. Did you see Bubba's drive? Yeah. Just on 17th in the final. I mean, his, his shot making and his shot shaping is, is a whole other topic and probably um, designates its own podcast, to be honest. We don't have the time to get into Bubba's shot shaping tonight. But he, he put, if you haven't seen it, jump on PGA Tour's uh, Instagram account and have a look at the way that Bubba shaped his ball into 17 in the final round. It was, it was quite remarkable, but that's a slice that hole is so else. entertaining. Yeah. hundred percent. That, that hole is so entertaining yeah. for that reason. So much better than 16 in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, like I love 16 for the fact that it brings all those people in that we were talking about, you know, before, but like there are a couple of pin positions, even like the first day's pin position isn't like, it's very much at the front. You know, so there's, there's guys that aren't really jamming it that close. And then it might be Saturday's position or, or Friday's. I can't remember which one it is, but it's just about at the back of the green. And everyone, I think Xander Shawfley put it, put it pretty close. But other than that, everyone ran off the back of the green. Like, if we're going to have this stadium hole, at least have the, the pin in a position where blokes can have a crack at it and ace it. And they moved it back. Like, the day one was like 143 yards or something like that. And then they moved it back to 173. Like... If we're going to put all this investment into this stadium atmosphere, let's let's give uh, let's give the players a chance to actually hit an ace. Like they're all PGA Tour professionals, you're not favouring anyone. True, it's just on sixteen, and probably uh, more broadly the the waste management open itself. Where do you where do you sit in terms of the question, which seems to come up a lot each and every time that this event um, runs on the calendar? Mm. Is it good for golf? Because I've seen that that debated once again this year. It's it's God, it's like the schoolies debate. Pops its head up every year. We seem to repeat ourselves. Mm. It's, it it it, be, it gets tiresome. Um, I get a little nauseous by the people who want to play the the waste management down. But where do you sit in the? Is it good for the game? It is undoubtedly good for the game, in my opinion. I think uh, ultimately, if if there are people who want to go and um, you know, enjoy four days in the middle of the desert and have a bit of a party and, and do whatever they, they want in, in four days and go to the golf. Fantastic. They're putting money back into the sport. They're putting money into the local economy. Fantastic. But um, I think, yeah, I, I look, I can respect both sides to the argument, but the waste management is, is undoubtedly one of my favorite events of the year. I saw plenty of people online saying this is such a shit event. There's, it's only good because you've got this, the 16th and, and that's it. But 
there was uh, the seventeenth was was just as good. Eighteen was such a tough hole for for many guys this week. I do I I struggle. I mean, I get it, but I struggle a lot of times to understand why people don't like this event. It seems to me that the that the primary criticism is it's not good for golf. That people going to the game essentially that it's a sugar hit. That this doesn't fix a problem about uh, appealing to a younger generation. That people going to the tournament aren't actually interested in golf. They're interested in having a party and 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 having a few beers. I would challenge that. I would challenge the mindset that thinks that any sane person would buy what I'm assuming is um, an expensive very ticket to sit on the 16th if you're not lucky enough to get there at 5 a.m in the morning and score one of the ga seats on 16th um reports across the weekend that, that a can of beer on the 16th range between 12 and 16 us dollars for a can so i, I don't think bucks. you'd be choosing to go and 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 have plenty of beers at that sort of price point when you can sit at home and watch it on the tv with a few cans i refuse to buy into the fact that these people aren't interested in the game they are just interested in playing it and viewing it this way. Now, this is not a tournament. This happens once a year. Hmm. You know, this, is, this is not every second weekend on the PGA Tour. The people who don't like change, who are adverse to evolution, need not worry because this is not taking over. But to be so anti it once a year makes no sense. I would suggest that those people are more dangerous to the future of the game than the people rocking up to watch the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I th- ultimately, do we really care if people want to come in? And, you know, if 5% of the people who, who perhaps don't play golf go to the Phoenix Open, sit on 16, have a bunch of beers all day, and then decide a little bit further down the track that they want to go and have a hit with their mates, that's a win in my eyes. Ultimately, Absolutely. who cares? And, and for people to point the finger at the Phoenix Open, you know, I, do it at other events. Other events take a leaf out of this and do it. Look at what the European do, tour is doing. I mean, we can go one further than the 16th and have people tee, uh, have people tee off what, you know, from inside a grandstand, like the stadium. Uh, Jack Wilson raised that back on a podcast late last year. Like, there are so many more cool things that we could do. And to continually, you know, kick the Phoenix open, uh, I, think it's a, I think it's a pretty shit take from a lot of people. But, you know, that's... Um, that's the the opinion of some people. People are paid to have an opinion. I've got one. You've got one, and and, and we can um, do with it what we will. But um, yeah, I, I'm a fan for it, and I and I hope it stays for uh, for a good long time. Hey, some of the tributes to to Kobe on 16 were really nice as well. I thought um, you know Tony Finau was wearing the jersey. I think Max Homer wore the jersey as well, and the flags had the numbers on there as well. So yeah, I was just yeah, about it was to say, touching, wasn't it? Oh, 100%. I was just about to say that many people have knocks on the tournament. One thing they certainly didn't get wrong was the way in which they paid tribute um, themselves and the players, obviously, paid tribute to Kobe Bryant across the course of the weekend. It was obviously very um, present on on 16, being the, the largest viewed and, and largest patronage of any part of the course. But, you, you know, you mentioned... Tony Finau, Max Homer, both rocking the the Lakers um, jerseys. Uh, I thought J- Justin Thomas was great. He uh, people were looking at the, the 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 white and red 33 jersey with Brian on the back, not understanding what that was. It was in fact his high school jersey from Lower yeah. Merion, which I thought was a really nice touch from from JT. You had uh, Tony Finau was wearing purple and yellow Nike shoes on the first day. Uh, Bryson had uh, the numbers eight and 24 emblazoned on his shoes on on the first few days. 
And as you say, Drew, it's a really, I think this may well have been the most poignant tribute um, from the ground staff uh, at the Waste Management Phoenix Open and also from the PGA Tour. As you mentioned, the, um, the, the pin placement on 16 uh, today, the final day, um, was, I believe, uh, 24 paces uh, up and eight paces in from the left. Yeah, 160. I think that's right. Yeah, and um, and 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 placed exactly at eight twenty four a.m. this morning. So, really nice tribute to to Kobe. Or obviously we 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 touched on it, um, but a a player and a person that cut through and cut across sport, transcended um, basketball, was far bigger than just himself and and the Lakers and what he built there. And obviously, all the players talking about it across the week that the different impacts that they had on him, Uh, the the Mamba mentality. um, You know, JT had that. printed on the back of his wedges uh, obviously it's 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 a tragedy that's cut across the united states but wonderful to see the tributes um you know done so well by the players and by the tournament across the weekend yeah that indeed uh a couple of other results jt flew home uh with six under here 65 he finished t3 alongside bubble watson Aaron Badley, he was the best of the Aussies at t40 so not a great week for the Aussies around the world uh, we'll touch on one in the Corn Ferry Tour very shortly, but quickly on the form guide, KM, because we are, yes. we're, we're keeping it short tonight. We're, we're going we're gonna to keep it short, we promise. The form guide, so uh, this is very interesting stuff. I mean, we were looking at the farmer's insurance last week and how things were looking for Mark Leishman, but uh, things are looking very good for Webb Simpson here. Uh, last year's winner, Ricky Fowler, went on to finish T9 at the Masters. The year before that, Gary Woodland, he missed the cut. So if we take that one out, 2016, uh, 2017 Hideki Matsuyama won, went on to finish T11. And then 2016 Hideki Matsuyama again finished T7. So three out of the past four years have finished, uh, you know, no worse than T11 at the Masters. So things are looking very, very good for Webb Simpson come uh, Augusta uh, in, in just a few short months. It's my favourite new segment of this podcast, the form line. <laughs> it's my one good idea. We're two weeks in and it is coming up roses. I absolutely love the form line. And <laughs> only when it works. That, <laughs> if it's shit, plenty, we're not going to yeah, bring only it up. Works. Uh, you know, if, if we don't predict the winner of the Masters, uh, we'll accept no feedback. If we do, uh, we'll accept uh, part of your winnings. Moving um, just a, a couple a couple more very quick stats, Struds, which I found yes. really interesting out of the, uh, the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Before we move on to the rest of the pod this week, Colin Morikawa. Uh, didn't feature in the business end. Uh, wasn't a name near the top of the leaderboard. Did do something quite amazing. Became the first player since 1987 with four eagles in a week at TBC Scottsdale. Quite incredible. Eagled four straight par fives, but hadn't had a birdie since Friday at one stage in the final round. So That's it was picking off eagles. Epitome of fun. like a up and down round, eh? 100%. Picking off eagles for fun. <laughs> Couldn't buy a birdie uh, since the second round. Quite remarkable. The other remarkable thing, Drudes, and this is not the definition of an up and down round. This is the definition of possibly the most consistent, well, definitely the most consistent round now in PGA Tour record. Harold Varner III, one of the coolest cats on the tour, uh, hopefully a future guest of the 19th Tee podcast, set a new record for the most number of consecutive pars in a PGA Tour event. He went 32 straight holes. In Phoenix, all of the first round and 14 of the holes in the second round. It's unreal. Before recording a birdie at 15, bogey at 16, and falling off a cliff to miss the cut 
in his second round. But it was, in fact, 33 straight pars because he parred 18 in the second round at the Farmers Insurance Open the week previous before missing the cut. So 33 on the trot, 32 at waste management. He, he betted KJ Choi, who held the record previously at 27 straight pars. Harold Varner, now the new record holder at 32 straight pars for a PGA Tour event. It's un- unbelievable. Uh, yeah, it is. it is. I mean, geez, you and I pay for 32 straight oh pass, but that's, that's, that's a different I'd pay story. pay for 32 in a year. Different story altogether. Let's talk, um, albeit incredibly briefly, about the European Tour event, Drew. Yes. Uh, this is probably all we've got to say. Graham McDowell won over there, beat uh, Dustin Johnson in Saudi Arabia. Phil was three shots off the pace, and Luca, Lucas Herbert was the best of the Aussies at two under. Good to see GMAC back in the winner's circle. I love, I love Graham McDowell. He's one of the great characters in the game. Uh, but as we said, Drudes, at the very end of last week's episode, um, yeah, the Saudi international can get stuffed. Uh, players who play there um, can get stuffed. The ones we like can get stuffed a little less. Uh, but the tournament itself, I, I don't know about you, I didn't watch a shot. No, um, I didn't see anything. Unashamedly didn't do so. One thing I did want to mention out of the Saudi International, beyond the result, um, a special mention to a good friend of the pod, uh, Maverick Antcliffe, the Aussie, Mm. obviously playing his first season on the European tour. He got in as an alternate. This is quite a remarkable story. Had spent the last few weeks over in the States, uh, knocking around in Augusta, where he went to college. Uh, and was on was was deep on the alternate list. Was contemplating heading back to Queensland in preparation for a swing of a few tournaments back here in Australia. But was in contact with his good mate and caddy uh, Connor Edmonds, who told him that he was sneaking up closer with a number of withdrawals prior to the tournament. Um, rolled the dice, took a gamble, flew to Riyadh, and uh, he slept at the clubhouse where the tournament was taking place the night before because he was still one or two back. Woke up the next morning and uh, with about three hours worth of preparation was told you'd be teeing off at 9.30, you've made it in. That's a qu- quite a remarkable story. Went on to make the cut. Yeah. So having awesome slept stuff. at the golf course the night before, only finding out um, you know, two or three hours before teeing off at 9.30 that he was actually in the tournament, he went on to make the cut and was uh, second best Aussie place behind Lucas Herbert. So a, a big pat on the back to, to our good man and good friend of the pod, Mav Ancliffe. Yeah, well done, Mav. And uh, the Corn Ferry Tour as well was, of, conti- of course, continuing on at the Panama Claro Championship. It was won by American Davis Riley at 10 under. Australian Brett Virat was a couple of shots back. He was probably the pick of the Aussies around the world this week. Uh, and this was just a phenomenal statistic I saw around the Corn, Corn Ferry Tour. I don't know if you saw this one. Total money up for grabs on the Corn Ferry Tour across the year is $15 million. The Tour Championship winner wins 15.85. Yeah, I was mind blowing. Is it is it is it possible to be shocked, but at the same time not at all surprised? No. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, uh, it is possible because that's what I'm feeling. So I think that, like, I think it, it sums up. To be honest, it sums up one of the great um, one of the great problems and one of the great class distinctions in the game of golf is that stat right there. That 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 one tournament on the PGA Tour, uh, the purse of which could be worth more than the total purse on offer across the entire um, Corn Ferry Tour season, which is only, like, we're not talking about, you know, PGA Tour of Latin America, PGA Tour of Asia. This is, this is B-grade. This is the this feeder. This is guys, this is exactly right. This is the feeder. This is guys who, who pop up, um, plenty of whom, 25 of whom, each, in fact, each and every year, pop up to the PGA Tour the next year. Yeah. It's quite like, phenomenal. There's a huge class divide, and it, it's something that can be added to the long list of things that the PGA need to address. Yeah. 
Drew, it's just but, a very uh, quick one. Uh, speaking of PGA Tour events, we don't generally talk about the Champions Tour. Uh, that is, in course, unless uh, uh, Miguel Angel Jimenez wins, as he did the <laughs> other week, because he is one of the very best names and, and individuals in the game. I thought this was worth a mention, though. Brett Quigley, uh, he won the PGA Tour Champions over the weekend. It was his second PGA Tour Champions victory. In his PGA Tour career, he played 408 events for no wins. He's migrated to the Champions Tour and his second start in, in just a handful of outings on the Champions Tour. So how quickly your fortunes are changing golf, Druids. Yeah, he, he had a great win over there in Morocco. Uh, but after 408 winless starts in the PGA Tour, he is now a multiple winner on the, uh, on the Champions Tour. Quite great remarkable. Story. Well done. Great story indeed. Let's uh, let's bounce around. Plenty of other things happening from a news perspective, Druids. Yes, that there is. Now, we're going to begin with the Premier League golf, or that is what it's called for this week at least. Uh, there have been a few little um, announcements, a few little bits of news drip feeding out. Uh, of course, I suppose probably the biggest bit of news was around Phil Mickelson actually playing a round ahead of the Saudi international with uh, some of the backers of uh, this alleged um, new, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to describe it as. Well, let me, you talk on Phil. I'm going to just come up with a word to describe it. Well, it's, I mean, it's rebel tour. That's what it is. Yeah. It's kind of like the, uh, the, the super league ARL wars of the nineties. Uh, what it is, Drew's is it's very, it's very easy for them to create an attractive prospect now because it, it, it really is nothing. It's all words at the moment. And for as much as, I mean, I think it would be safe to say, surmising our conversation last week, that I was probably a little bit more um, pie in the sky, a little bit more on board with it than yourself. But it's easy to, you know, to be attracted to the bright lights of something that, that doesn't have much substance other than announcements. But what, what Phil's appearance at the Pro-Am at the Saudi International did was put a face to a few of the names. He, in fact, played with a number of the backers in the Pro-Am, including the CEO of Saudi Golf. Mm-hmm. So confirming that there is uh, Saudi interest behind this new Rebel Tour. And, and Jeff Shackelford, who, of course, has been at the forefront of this story, broke this one as well, uh, of, of Phil's playing partners in the Pro-Am and the fact that there is Saudi interest. Um, a couple of other um, private equity firms and private financiers were playing in the group with Phil. And Phil obviously therefore had his ear talked off for 18 holes about the concept came out the back of which saying that he found it intriguing uh, mm. to use his words. They need, they need him. They definitely need him. I mean, let's, let's be honest. This, this lives and lives and dies on Tiger Woods. If they don't get Tiger, they don't have anything, but they definitely need Phil. They need, mm. a, they need a couple more elder statesmen. Phil would probably also be targeted as one of those players who would take a private equity and private ownership interest in these teams that they're talking yep. about. Yep. For him to say um, it was intriguing and to not rule it out, um, you know, to, to not knock it on the head, I, I find interesting. Um, Henrik Stenson came out during the week and said, um, you know, it's equal parts exciting, but he's also cautious. Yeah. So, which is where uh, I'm sitting. Yeah, obviously. I, I, look, I, like, I think it's where most people are sitting, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, it's it, some of the stuff that has come out is interesting. I mean, like, you know, this, whoever's running the, the, PGL at the moment, you know, they came out and said, you know, that Kerry Packer broke the the mould around World Series cricket back in the in the seventies, and and he took on the administrators and all that sort of stuff. And then, 
in the same statement, it said that they we're not ta- we're not taking on the PGA Tour. We want to work with it. So, I mean, you can't have your cake and eat it. Um, so there's there's clearly some uh, a lot to work through. I noticed that uh, there has been some sort of timing potential changes that some people are now sort of pushing it back to a 2023 start, which I think is potentially more realistic. Um, look, Greg Norman's on board. He he sort of floated the idea back in the 90s, I believe. So He did. He, he, he had proposed a world golfing tour, which essentially uh, the idea was stolen for and is now uh, the, the modern day WGC events. That was mm. essentially the crux of Greg Norman's idea back in the 90s, which got kiboshed and then um, stolen uh, for, yeah. for want of a better word. But what, what I think, Drudes, and, and obviously what we have had also in, in the weeks since we last spoke about um, the PGL is strong statements um, from both uh, Jay Monaghan, the, the commissioner of the PGA Tour, and Keith Pelly, the commissioner of the European Tour. Yeah. About It's a line in the sand. It's essentially a no-tolerance stance. If you mm-hmm. participate in this, you won't be participating in our tours. So yeah. any, any hope of collaboration, of working together, has been quickly hit on the head. Mm. Um, Jay Monaghan also went on, and this was in, a, in an email communication to um, PGA Tour players to, to essentially um, foreshadow increases to purses as a result of the new broadcast deal. So a little bit of a sweetener. You may not, um, you know, if, if you want to go and play with them, go and play with them, but you'd be, you not only will you be surpassing an opportunity to play on this tour, you'll be, you'll be passing up the opportunity to compete for greater purse sizes. And we know that money talks. I mean, that's the only thing getting the PGL in the conversation is cash. Is. Yeah. So, you know, the tours have made it crystal clear that you can't play. But for mine, Drudes, the amount of people not immediately hitting it on the head, it seems the only, the only people hitting it on the head at the moment are the two commissioners. Mm. You've got Phil intrigued. You've got Henrik Stenson excited, but cautious. You've got Adam Scott, who there was another story by um, Evan Priest, the Aussie who writes for AAP, having spoken to Adam Scott, who believes the concept has legs and could work, provided yeah. that it is managed around, you know, different needs of players, of tours, of sponsors, etc. But you have all these people coming out saying it could work, mm. which for mine, as we said last week, if if the worst thing that happens about this is changes to the existing model, and the PGL never gets off the ground, that's great. If the players are interested to the point where it forces the tours to act and fix things, then this is a win-win situation. But yeah. I'm intrigued to see where it goes because I don't think it's going away anytime soon. No, I don't think it is. I, I think what needs to happen from the, you know, the golfing media is then there, there needs to be continued uh, pressure and, um, and scrutiny placed on, on this tour, uh, on the PGL, to get the answers that we want to questions. A big, big question for mine is what happens to... You know, if, if this, if we're saying that, if the PGA Tour is saying that you can't play in on our tour, uh, if you go to the PGL, uh, what does that do to um, the the majors? How you know you're still eligible to play the Masters? I think I reckon that would be a massive draw card for a lot of a lot of players. If there were guys, oh, you know, you look at someone like a a DJ or a Rory to to say, hey, uh, if you go, if you if you go and sign for the PGL, you give up your your PGA Tour card and that is it until you stop playing there. I think that would be a massive hit for the PGL. Yeah. I mean, you'd automatically be ruled out of the Open Championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd automatically be ruled out of the PGA Championship. I'm not, I'm not certain about the other two. Obviously, the US Open is governed by the USGA. Um, yeah. So it would be for them to make a ruling. The Masters, I mean, Jesus, the, the, the committee at Augusta National are a law unto themselves. 
Um, and so they should be. Uh, but I'd argue they're more in bed with the PGA Tour than they are with the PGL. Absolutely. Well, I don't, think, I don't think the PGL <laughs> for, the, for the time being. The door yet. Yeah, I don't, I don't know time. that they've, they've knocked on the door of the log cabin just yet, mm. Drew, to be honest. But, I mean, the, the Masters are more steeped in tradition than the PGA Tour is. So they will, they will stick oh, to the status quo. They yeah. will support tradition. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's intriguing to watch and this is a, you know, this is only a story that will develop because yeah. there seems to be finally for them, a bit of momentum, finally for the organizers of the PGL, a bit of, a bit of a push. Now they, I think they've tried a number of times to get it off the ground with, with no success. I think they've come in, they've, they've just struck at the right time. There's enough frustration, be it from players, fans, sponsors, around a few of the things that the PGA tour is doing to gain a bit of traction. And, and that's, that's probably the concern. I mean, PGA Tour take it seriously enough to, to be putting out these strong worded communications. Mm. And, and it'll be fascinating to see where it goes. Absolutely, it will. Last thing I do want to say on the PGA, the one thing that I reckon they have got right so far is this little sort of feeder to a concept that they've, they've potentially um, proposed, which is obviously having the World Golf Series at the top or the Premier Golf League or whatever it is, then having an American Championship, uh, a European Championship and an Asian Championship, which sit underneath and then national championships underneath that again. So I think that, um, that probably, you know, could potentially answer the, the question that we were dealing with last week is, is what happens to the next crop of players. So um, look, I'll, I'll give them a hat tip for having thought that one out. But again, these are just ideas. I mean, like we have to, we have to definitely just you know, sort of keep, keep making sure that we understand that because there's not a lot of meat on the bones at the moment. Um, but at the rate that it's, it's progressing, I reckon by the middle of the year, potentially sort of towards the back end of this year, there, there will be something, something quite significant. And I'm hoping that we just meet the bloody people behind it. It would be nice. It would be nice that it would be nice that if the fans of the game, not just Phil Mickelson, had an audience yeah. with the brains and the money behind this. But Drew, as we flagged last week, and we will continue to flag, the TV rights announcement huge is integral what, to the whole thing. It will give you a massive steer on where that's at. Um, PGA Tour Live looks like it's going to ESPN Plus. That was leaked yep. out during the week. Yep. But the fact is, is that for all intents and purposes, everything that's been leaked, whispered, rumored, is that this deal is done. So why is it sitting on a desk in PGA to a headquarters at Ponte Vedra? What is the holdup? That's, yeah. that's, the, that's the intriguing question that uh, I don't know about you, but I'm losing sleep over it not. What's yeah, holding I'm, it up? Why is it not being announced yet? Oh, who knows? Your guess is as good as mine. So why does the PGA tour do anything? Speaking of, speaking of not wanting to answer questions. Mm, uh, nice segue, mate. Well done. I work on them. I, I spend <laughs> my lunch break on Mondays at work uh, thinking about how I'm going to segue between each of the topics on the 19th. Day. It is a critical piece of the show. Speaking of not wanting to answer questions, uh, Brooks Kepka, what's doing? Uh, fresh off his appearance at the Saudi International on the European Tour uh, uh, said, not interested in in-round interviews. I'm not interested in one of the key pieces of innovation the European tour has, has established. I'm not interested in appealing to a broader audience by giving some, you know, 15 to 20 seconds of insight on one hole in a round. I'm not interested in, I don't know, acting like most other major sports by allowing access to its athletes. Unbelievable. Yeah, it is. I mean, and clarifying that this is in the middle of play, uh, you know, not at, you know, halftime, et cetera, which is what he sort of pointed out. Um, but I'll give you one and it's happening in Australia right now. It's the big bash and I bloody love it. When they cross down to a Chris Lynn or someone and you get a bit of insight as to what's happening, it's fantastic. And it's been 
it's been revolutionary for for the punter sitting at home on on the couch. And Brooks, I'm sorry, but you hit the ball about 350 yards. You've got a fair bit of time in between the tee and your next shot, so you can answer a, a, a couple of questions. I think it's just a really, really shit take from Brooks. And, and, you know, he said, I understand why it might be beneficial for the fans, but I don't get it. Uh, like, I'm sorry, did you not just understand the first part of what you just said? Well, yeah, you've answered your question. Oh, it's There's just, nothing more to get. I, I, that, you know, uh, being beneficial for the fans. That's it. Full stop, yeah. period. Finished. Yeah. What I don't get as well is, is the, this is a guy who says, I rock up 20 minutes before round. I don't get why people put so much time into preparation. This is a guy who says, I don't really get fussed about any tournament but the majors. Like I turn up and play. If I win, I win. If I don't, I don't. It, it doesn't keep me up at night. Mm. If you're so relaxed about your approach to golf, what's 15 or 20 seconds answering a question? What, yeah. what skin off that is off your nose? Yeah, I, I, I don't it. understand it. Like He's such a laid back and... At times, to be honest, lackadaisical. People question whether or not he cares. He's that mm-hmm. relaxed. So why yeah. would you care about answering what really is? They're, they're pretty meaningless questions, but it's, it's less about the content and more about the access. That's yeah. what the, the European Tour are trying to do, trying to be different. Correct. I, I mean, Graham, Graham McDowell got hit with that bad time penalty. So you know, this, I, was just about, I was just about to say. Which is why this only, all came about, right? Yeah. So the only, thing that holds, the only thing that holds this back for the European Tour is the fact that Graham McDowell gave one of these interviews and was then hit with a slow play warning. Um, a, bit, a bit of foresight. Come on, guys, work with your broadcast partner. Understand that you know, the, the player is giving a, uh, an interview. He's giving you access. He's giving you what you want in terms of an, yeah, an I think inside. that's more on the broadcaster. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But also a bit on Graham McDowell. I mean, there is a provision available to call over the, the referee and ask for an extension based on circumstances mm. like giving an interview to broadcast. So that's available to the players. So I'm, I'm not entirely sure why Graham McDowell didn't avail himself of that option, but... This, I mean, it, there are some still some kinks that need to be worked out because if you've got a play giving an interview, which is you know a major selling point of your coverage, there's absolutely no way that they should be hit with a penalty on time. Agree. Watch this space because Brooks needs to really lift his game and, and change his attitude. To be brutally honest with you, Jets. Yeah, no, I agree. And you know what? Like uh, the PGA Tour again should be learning from the European Tour and starting to implement this, and and ultimately. This is the other thing. Brooks has been paid a very hefty fee to appear at the Saudi International. Absolutely. So if he's taken his blood money and, and taken it all the way to the bank. So do and it, when and when they man. tell you to jump, you, you you say how high? I'm sorry, yeah, you, particularly in that instance. But it should just be. It shouldn't be just when you get paid. Uh, you know, to be there, you, you're getting paid regardless of of um, you know where you finish in a golf tournament. So true. So I would have thought he actually would have jumped at the the opportunity to put his own voice to an interview, given the fact that he let some PR agency write his responses to why he's going to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Anyway. Unbelievable. Yeah, it is an odd one. Hey, Jordan Spieth, what's going yeah. on there outside Look, the top 50? We both, we both like him. You probably a little more than I do, but... Um, yeah, I, know, I feel like I have to declare a, almost like a conflict of interest here. Full disclosure, I'm obviously the president of the Jordan Spieth fan club. Yeah, um, you, are. you are. Only the Australian chapter. It's a big <laughs> club. It's a worldwide club. Mm. So the I'm Australian chapter. I, I, yeah, I am part of it. Yeah, you're a card-carrying member, but um, your membership's under review given a few recent comments. But that's that's neither here nor there. Jordan Spieth, uh, I'm unapologetic about my love for Jordan Spieth. I think, you know, at his prime, people, you know, were waxing lyrical about what his future could be. But, geez, that feels like a long time ago because he's now dropped outside of the top 50 in the world. Yeah. He missed the cut. 
at the Waste Management Phoenix Open, which was his third miscut in the last 12 months. Mm. And photos emerged of a new grip. Mm -hmm. This is where he's at. He's changing his grip now, Drudes. Yeah. This is the, the complete what seems like lack of confidence, which is quite remarkable. And the reason I want to talk about it tonight is because I'm, I'm astonished that it's not more of a story. And if I'm honest, I think that uh, Tiger's comeback has been the, the curtain that's covered over Jordan's demise. Because if Tiger doesn't come back, then people have far more of a spotlight on a player they thought might be the next Tiger. But yeah. Tiger's comeback, I, I, I think, has shattered over the fact that we have a player who, who promised the world, you know, in his, in his early to mid-20s. He was beating all before him. He could not lose who now is missing cuts and is outside the top 50. But to me, it's, it's, it's like, this is a player who Drew's last year, we spoke about this. You know, I, I said that it was one of my wishes for 2020 was to see him. We both did. The success. We both did. You're right. He led the tour in putting last year. He not only led the tour in putting, but across the entire PGA tour, he was first in round one scoring and ninth in round two scoring. It was a start I heard over the weekend from Shane Bacon of, of Fox over in America. First in Thursday scoring, ninth in Friday scoring, and then fell off a cliff on the weekend. So not mm. only has he seemingly lost parts of his swing, I mean, he's, he's on the record saying he's broken it down and he's building it back up again, but he's completely lost his, his confidence on a weekend when he's putting himself in good position. And I think that that's probably what it, what it you know, boils down to at the end of the day. I mean, look, uh, I mean, he is, unfortunately, he needs to remain inside the top 64. Uh, otherwise, he's not playing at the Dell match play uh, in Texas where, you know, he's a proud Texan, Texan boy, hook him horns. Um, and uh, it is, look, I like Jordan Spieth. I am, I'm just really disappointed that he hasn't lived up to the hype that everyone threw at him so quickly. And, and potentially that was, that was its undoing was this young guy came out and dominated the world. Like you said, he couldn't lose. He was, he was the hottest ticket in golf for a couple of years there. And, you know, he's gone on a bad run now and there's no doubt. I have no doubt that he will return at, at some point. He will, he'll probably just pop up and win a tournament. Who knows? It, it could be this week. I mean, he's won, He's won this tournament. Obviously, we're going, uh, sorry, the, the AT&T this week. Um, he's won this tournament before, the Pro-Am. You know, it's, his putting is still very good, but why are we, got, why are we changing grip sizes? Is that at, at where the, his mind is at right now? So that, that's my great concern. That, I mean, I, I am eternally optimistic that he will win again. I'm eternally optimistic that we will return. We will see Jordan Spieth rise to the summit again, but his game is at a point now where we've broken it so far down. We're at the grip. We're, yeah. we're re-gripping the club in a, in a way that we've never done it before in our late twenties. Like I'm all for changing our swing, but the only person that's really done that with great success is Tiger who has completely broken it down and built it up again. Yeah. And people may have, may have touted Jordan as, as the next Tiger or the closest thing to it, but, I don't know. He's, he just seems so far away now and it doesn't seem to be trending in the right direction. It only seems, I thought we'd hit, I thought we'd hit the bottom. 
I thought mm. we were coming back up. I'm not so confident of that now. I mean, Drew, it seems astonishing given how dominant he has been at Augusta National in, in previous years that had he not been a previous winner, right now, based on world rankings, he wouldn't be going. Mm. Yeah. He, has, he obviously has an eternal invitation due to his victories there in the past. But based on world rankings right now, if he hadn't been a previous winner, he wouldn't be going to Augusta National. Yeah. That and that's sad. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, look, I really want him to turn things around. And, and, you know, maybe the best thing for him is that if he does drop down to, you know, 80, 90 in the world and he just floats off into the distance for a couple of months and then really just walks, well, not walks away from the game for a little while. You know what I mean? Is, is that he just kind of takes some time to really just go away, maybe tweak a couple of things with his swing because there is clearly something wrong. And I, I don't think it's his swing. I think it's a mental, mental issue that, that's, you know, plaguing him at the moment. But maybe he does just need a couple of, you know, a couple of weeks away from it or a couple of weeks to just, you know, go and play golf socially or, or do whatever it is to, you know, because he's putting pressure on himself. Like I, I'm just reading now on the PGA Tour website, you know, he said, I, I just really wanted it. I wanted to play the weekend. I had a bunch of buddies coming to town and I wanted to give them something to watch for the next couple of days. Like that's putting pressure on himself. 100%. Like 100%. maybe stop doing that shit. Maybe just, I, I, look, I don't know. Look, we're talking about someone who's a top 50 golfer in the world. Like, you know, it's still, we're, it's talk, still, we're talking about someone who's a top 20 golfer of all time based on yeah. numbers. Like, let's, let's, Let's let's be truthful. You and I are you know twenty handicappers knocking around. This is this is not us telling him what to do. No, this is us desperately wanting to see one of our favourite players, yep. easily my favourite player, yep. get back back to to what he can be. Because there's no doubt golf is so much better when he's at his best. Agree. Agreed. And look, yeah, I mean, uh, I I don't really have too much more to say on it other than that. I hope he he can turn it around. I mean, look, you know, AT and T. You know the, the Pebble Beach Pro Am this week, and he's he's won this he's won that tournament before. So hopefully that gives him a bit of confidence going in, and he can start to push his way back up the rankings, get inside the top fifty, and you know who knows could make a run for for the Ryder Cup later in the year, or well, who uh, knows? I mean, yeah, we well, can that, only that, dream at the moment, and we're about to run through it because the Ryder Cup is is a is a team event. We are unashamed fans of team golf, and it's something that will continue to increasingly dominate the podcast as we make our way towards the end of the year and, uh, and the tournament at Whistling Straits. But right now, he's not even in contention, which is sad because he's had so many good performances in team golf in, yeah. in, in recent years. People even saying, myself included, that he should have been at the President's Cup. They obviously didn't need yeah. him at the end of Melbourne, but he wouldn't have been out of place where he was at the moment. Mm. But with all that being said, uh, he can't rely on previous performances because Drew's right now, uh, and, and we'll run through them in a moment. But right now, he he doesn't sit within either, obviously, the, the top eight automatic qualifiers on points, but even the next eight based on rankings. He's outside yep. the top 16 ranked American players, which is unthinkable yep. when it comes yep. to team events. So the reason we wanted to bring this up tonight, Dredge, is obviously a few different um, victories and a few different results in, in the last few weeks has had a bearing on both teams. So to run you through the, the US team as it stands, the automatic qualifiers. Yes. And we'll only concentrate on the automatic qualifiers for now because we aren't, uh, we're not mind readers. We don't know which way the captain's going to go in terms of their picks. But the automatic qualifiers for Team USA at present, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Webb Simpson has jumped up to three on the points list of his victory at Phoenix. Unbelievable. So Webb Simpson, three. The X-Man, Xander Shoffley at four. Gary Woodland at five. Tiger Woods at six. Tony Finau at seven. And Justin Thomas 
at eight. So there's a couple of guys on on the outside. I mean, Patrick Cantlay, I would have thought will be a lock by the time we make that uh, we make that that team announcement. But he's currently sitting in tenth. Ricky Fowler, fourteenth. Uh, Bubba Watson, fifteenth. It'd be just like Bubba to make a run for, a, for be nowhere It'd be in the off year and absolutely find himself in contention in a Ryder Cup year. He does love team golf. The Europeans, though, for mine, Drudes, um, and you know, Team Europe. That is the nineteenth tee. Uh, but this is this is the more interesting story. So. Current automatic qualifiers, Tommy Fleetwood first, John Rahm second, Victor Perez three, Rory McIlroy four, Danny Willett five, Matthew Fitzpatrick at six, a name we said will definitely play Ryder Cup this year. How about this? Graham McDowell, GMAC, off his win. His first win. spots. His first win in five and a half years. Jumps him to number seven, an automatic qualifier as it stands for the Ryder Cup. Burned Weisberger at eight. Terrell Hatton at nine. And I think the, the big one to, to mention, Drudes, is uh, Lee Westwood, off the back of his victory just a few weeks ago, is now jumped up to 10th. Uh, yeah. He's just inside so much so that uh, the captain of Europe for this year's event, Podrick Harrington, uh, tweeted uh, that he's seriously reconsidering his selections for vice captain because he might, <laughs> two of the guys he had lined up in McDowell and Westwood may in fact be playing yeah. <laughs> instead of standing beside him with the, uh, the walkie-talkie in the year. So... That's it's crazy. remarkable to see that the changes um, and, and the movers in, in that list on Ryder Cup and one will definitely keep a close eye on as we progress towards whistling straights at the end of the year. Also, Victor Perez has the least French name I've ever heard. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> just as a, just as a <laughs> side yeah, take. I'd like to see the family tree, please, Victor, because it, <laughs> it, it doesn't scream uh, bonsoir to me. <laughs> Let's just say that. Doesn't scream hey. French to me. No, it doesn't. Drew, Vic Open. Yes, I was just about yes. to say, turning our attention to home um, yes. as we as we round out this week. Uh, one of the one of the great events. Uh, obviously, we have the majors across the summer: the Aussie Open, the Oz PGA. But this this, in my opinion, gives both of them a run for the best event on um, the Australian calendar. It is, of course, a European event: the Victorian Open. This year, being played across the two courses at Thirteenth Beach. Yes, very very exciting. Uh, to get this one underway. It feels like it's just been coming for, for ages, this event. Uh, but uh, look, 1.6 million up for grabs. It's, it's, it's the biggest sort of uh, prize pool and a lot of these guys are going to play for this year. Very, very good field, uh, you know, in contention. Jeff Ogilvie, Nico Hearn, uh, to, to name a sort of a few of the, the big Aussie guns. Brett Rumford, uh, you know, and then we we get down into the young guns that are really just firing on all cylinders at the moment. Wade Ormsby, Minwoo Lee, um, Andrew Dodd, Travis Smythe, who have been doing some great things. Jared Felton, uh, friend of the pod, Daniel Gale, uh, is, is uh, going to be teeing it up. Marcus Fraser, Lucas Herbert comes back fresh off his win um, in the Middle East there. How Tong Lee comes back, uh, which is interesting. Uh, hopefully, he gives more of a shit about this tournament than he did the President's Cup. I'm still pissed at him. His last trip to Victoria. Thanks very oh much. How God, it was a disaster. There's plenty of friends of the pod playing, uh, as well as I just scroll through the very, very extensive list. Uh, Mav Ancliffe will be teeing it up. I believe Justin Warren is playing as well. So uh, it's a very, uh, a very good field assembled. And and like you say, it is such a, a great event on the on the tour. Uh, Blake Windred as well. Very, very long list. If people want to go and have a look, it's on the PGA of Australia website. But uh, should be a very, very good tournament down there at 13th Beach, which is a, a couple of stunning courses down there. 
Absolutely. And I think deserves a massive wrap this tournament because, you know, when the news broke and, and we obviously covered it on the podcast a couple of months ago of the, uh, what was then referred to as the innovative tournament coming up later this year in Sweden, piloted by Annika Sormsson and Henrik Stenson, the dual event, the men's mm. and women's playing same course, same purse. Uh, I think didn't give nearly enough credit to the Victorian Open because this tournament really pioneered the idea of men's and women's playing same course, alternate tees. It is an event that is uh, that has been well received, not only by the players, but by sponsors, by fans. It is now a staple. I mean, you see only the, the social media accounts of a lot of the players coming down here this year talking about how much they look forward to the event. Mm. And I think it, I mean, it obviously deserves uh, a much bigger rap than I think it gets because... Yeah, you know, the, the testament is in, you know, the patronage that the fans who turn up each and every year, the, the sponsors who support it, the players who continue to sign up to come down here to Australia to play it. But we've spoken many times in this podcast before, there should be more events like this. should be more events where the ladies tour, the men's tour play side by side because it's mm. a great spectacle for the fans. And there's absolutely no reason. Uh, certainly nothing that should hold it back, Druids. And, and I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, this event um, and also obviously kicks off a big couple of weeks in Australian golf because we head to the Royal Adelaide Golf Club for the ladies tour the week after. So that we do a big fortnight coming up in Aussie golf kickstarted by the Vic Open there at 13th Beach, which we look forward to uh, giving a comprehensive wrap to uh, in next week's episode, Drewster, when we uh, when we wrap up the tournament and plenty more. What else is happening this weekend, Drews? Oh, very exciting. Lots Lots happening in the world. The PGA Tour heads to the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. 7.8 million up for grabs. A little bit different prize money <laughs> from the European Tour. I mean, just on the prize money, it is such a juxtaposition looking at the, uh, the, the PGA Tour of Australasia's website and uh, the, the, the Vic Open uh, stands out at 1.6 million and then everything else just sort of piling in, 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 in significance. So uh, hopefully one of the Aussies, hopefully one of the young guns can get up and, and have a win and hopefully it's a friend of the pot as well. So uh, best of luck to everyone going around. Uh, down at Barwon Heads this weekend, KM. That'll do us, I think, Droots. That it will. The Black week. Ops was beautiful. Thank you very Wasn't much it? for that pick. Yeah, good, good, uh, good drop there from the, uh, the session out there from the team at Black Ops. Just a little... Little uh, little business doing the best down there on the Gold Coast, as you say, three in the top 30 in the Gabs, and that was a sensational drop the session out. Right up, right up my alley, Drew. It's right on my hitting, son. Absolutely. Very, good man. very been a good pleasure. indeed. Been a pleasure oh, it's always a pleasure, KM. Pleasure to have the listeners' company. Uh, we'll do it all again next week. Uh, until then, uh, head down, hit them long. Look forward to chatting to you on the 19th tee when we meet again. <laughs>